pounds of carbon dioxide. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Muni Radio in San Francisco. People from all over the Bay Area come to the Lindsay Wildlife Museum to experience close encounters with live wild animals. The museum's living collection features more than 50 species of non-releasable native California animals. Visitors can see and learn about wildlife such as eagles, owls, bobcats, coyotes, reptiles, and other fascinating creatures. The museum's world-renowned Wildlife Rehabilitation Hospital treats more than 5,000 wild animals each year with the goal of returning them to their native habitat. The Lindsay Wildlife Museum is in Walnut Creek. To learn more, visit wildlife-museum.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Meals on Wheels is dedicated to fostering independent living for San Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent living for as long as possible. For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Alex!
everybody and that was T-Bone Walker talking his talk the stormy Monday blues well today's Saturday and this is the beat and you're listening to Labor and Love your weekly labor magazine good morning you know no matter what you do you're going to get blamed for something Okay, Bob Dylan, talking about what it's like to grow up working class, all the demands that are made upon you and all the uh, things, whether you do them or not, that you'll get blamed for. Um, The subterranean homesick blues. One more now. This is the Labor and Love Show. So here's some of the love. 
Lancheni. Jenny there, Jenny Rivera, with her uh, heart-rending, heart-rending version of uh, Freddie Fender's I'll be there before the next teardrops. Estaré contigo cuando triste estés in Spanish. This is the labor of 
glad to have you here with us. Good labor. Hope you had a week with good work and uh, good love. And I hope your next week is better than this one. <laughs> this is the show where I tell you how it is. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, you're probably on the menu. Someone needs to be there at the table in your interest. And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Life is labor. Well, we, uh, we're going to get into a lot of things today. Number one is, how do you lose um, six and a half trillion dollars? Huh? <laughs> how do you lose six and a half trillion dollars? Uh, we've got the blues for Freddie Gray. New song by... Uh, I mean Lafayette. Fidel's 90th birthday. Fidel has, Fidel has already told the world that he's going to die soon. We'll look a little bit. Or perhaps the question should be who's worse? This day in labor history. The Win Labor Report and a whole lot more coming at you from Me Radio, 2781 21st Street, in El Mero Corazón de la Misión, the very heart of the Mission District. Come on down, having a big, uh, big gathering here uh, next Saturday. I'll be here in here doing my show, but there's going to be all kinds of comedy, music, uh, events taking place here. So come on down. Let's see what we got. Uh, let me read you the schedule. A day of live music, comedy, and more in studio at Mutiny Radio. Noise Pops, 20th Street. Labor and Love Show, the first two hours. Flat black plastic right after me, as usual. Art time. Live interview with a main stage performer from the block party. Mission statement, radio show, live. Everything goes open mic, live. The clubhouse comedy show, live. Come on in. It's happening here at Mutiny Radio where our DJs do it for love. So some of the things I mentioned, let, let's get right off into it with our uh, WIN labor report. This is from uh, Workers Independent News.
Workers Independent News Labor Report. What duties on? Let's see. Countries. Dan Simmons is president of USW Local 1899 at the U.S. Steel Plant in Granite City, Illinois. 2,000 workers at the mill have been laid off since December as a result of this unfair competition. For every one job, there's seven other jobs impacted by it. The impact it has in this community is devastating. The uncertainty is probably the worst, and then the negative tax base it has on the school systems, and it's just a ripple effect, like the pebble in the water. The ripple effect is huge when something like this happens. 48,000 grocery workers in Central and Southern California have narrowly averted a massive strike by overwhelmingly approving a new contract. Rick Ikaza, president of United Food and Commercial Workers, Local 770. It was so close that we were planning a strike on Monday. I only discovered that we were able to bring about a victory for the members with a good contract without having to literally go on strike. 30,000 workers at American Airlines reached a deal this week for immediate raises, up to 55% for some workers. The increase was approved separately from a contract that is still in negotiation between the airline and an association of the Transport Workers Union and the International Association of Machinists. Sean Doyle is international vice president for the TWU. We consider this a victory for every association member at American Airlines. This interim agreement provides significant raises to our members who have sacrificed so much to the years. On Wednesday, a circuit court in West Virginia placed an injunction on the state's so-called right-to-work legislation. International Brotherhood of Teamsters General Secretary-Treasurer Ken Hall. We still have to provide the same services to anyone who chooses not to join the union, which places that burden on our remaining members, or in other words, they have to subsidize them. Either the cost goes up or the services go down, which is taking property from the union and its members, which we believe to be a violation of the West Virginia Constitution. A new study from the Economic Policy Institute shows that teachers' wages and compensation are continuing to fall relative to other college graduates. The pay gap for teachers has expanded to 17 percent. Sylvia Allegretto, co-chair of the Center on Wage and Employment Dynamics at the University of California, Berkeley. This idea that teachers are somehow overpaid and overcompensated is just not true. On Friday, thousands of underpaid Fight for 15 workers from across the nation are descending on Richmond, Virginia to demand a $15 minimum wage and an end to the disastrous effects that 400 years of slavery and segregation, combined with 40 years of anti-union policies, have had on America's working families. Chicago Burger King worker Sam Santana I feel like it's necessary. I want to make history by helping others get the 15 an hour and be able to provide for their families. Workers Independent News provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Okay, that was uh, Workers Independent News. Doug Cunningham, sort of a chronicle of labor actions that are going on all around in uh, the United States and the rest of the world. Normally what we'll have is our world labor report, but uh, world labor has gone on what they call <clears throat> a union holiday. Okay. Um, here's some labor. Cesar Chavez explaining boycotts. And here's some love. Turn me on. Don't come there. And we learn 
that will continue to vote and get people to vote, but really, really, there's another place we can vote and be extremely successful, and that's the marketplace. You see, one of the great issues in our country is that the Americans, the American public, you and I included, we want things fast. We want things to happen without too much work. That's why instant coffee is so popular. And it doesn't work that way. In real life, it doesn't work that way. Meaningful change takes a lot of struggle, a lot of time, a lot of dedication. That's what happens. Look at the struggles that really mean, have really done something in this, in this world. Look how long it takes them. It doesn't happen by bread, especially through rhetoric. It doesn't happen. It happens when people get out there, roll up their sleeves, and actually get the work done. And so, we say, why go to the politicians? Why not, why not go directly and go to the marketplace where you can put direct pressure on those corporations that can find a solution for you? We recommend that. We live long enough to know that it works. You see, we hear that, the old cliche that politics makes strange bedfellows. Boycotts make stranger bedfellows still. Because we live in a very capitalistic society, because of that, the boycotts are even better to work. It's easier to work here. We start boycotting grapes. The brokers are constantly trying to get the growers to let them buy the grapes on consignment, ship them to me when they get to Boston. To New York, I'll pay you the growing rate and I'll pay you 60 or 90 days later. And the growers said, no, I want it for me. Pay me. If I ship you a car lot, pay me right now. And that argument is going all the time. The brokers don't really want us. They don't like us. But when we start boycotting, they're very quickly to use the boycott as a leverage against the growers to get the growers to sell them the grapes and consignment because they'll make more money. And when that happens, the growers have lost something, and that's happening already because of a boycott. We've been at growers' offices when they get a call from, from a buyer in New York, and he tells the grower, oh, I, cannot, I can't buy your grapes, I can't pay a penny from their own sale. These farm workers are picketing everywhere in New York. They've got thousands of pickets. We had about 40 pickets to tell the grower, we can't buy the grapes. That's how it works. Because at the other end, the supermarkets want to get the grapes as cheap as they can to sell them. The brokers do too. And we don't mind at that point that they get them as cheap as they can because they'll help us. And you see also the consumers buy fruits in this order. Bananas first, apples second, oranges third, and grapes fourth. And they're all interrelated. Look at what happens when the price of grapes go down, because of the boycott, bananas and apples and oranges also come down because they don't want to lose the customers. And so the grower, after the boycott starts and the grower begins to lower, the, the grocery store lowers the price of grapes because they're getting grapes cheaper as a lead. It doesn't last long because then the bananas come and the grapes and the oranges and the apples, they also want their prices down because they don't want to lose the customers to cheap grapes. And it works. It's not a very scientific fact. 
This is, how, this is how things work. And so we can learn a lot from Dr. King and from Gandhi. You know, when, when, the, when the bus boycott, there was no way in the world that those blacks could have ever won it politically. They couldn't. Politically, they didn't have any power. And they came up with the idea of the boycott. And the boycott began to work. The boycott has tremendous, tremendous leverage. The boycott is an idea. I don't think it's line, but it's an idea that spreads. Pardon the expression, it spreads through the grapevine. But it does spread. We don't know how it happens. The definitive study of a boycott has never been made. And we're waiting for somebody in uniform years like you to come and do the definitive study find exactly what happens in a boycott. We've been boycotting for 29 years, and we know from experience we can tell when boycotts are working, what stage, those things, but only from intuition, only from experience, but not really because of facts. The boycotts are Gandhi's boycotts. Some were tremendous boycotts. Some were strokes of geniuses. And they the whole country without war. We just missed it because people were, there wasn't a shooting war, so that's not important. But we should reflect on those instances when things were done without a shooting war. Those are important things to reflect on, understand, and appreciate, and try to replicate. The other thing podcast is that it saves you the consumer money. The important thing is, you see, we've been around, we travel more extensively than any presidential candidate in this country. We've been doing it for 42 years. They only do it for four, for two seasons at the most, right? We've gone up and down, this up and down, everywhere. And we think we have a good idea of the American consumer. We know that the American consumer wants fairness. We know that. Whatever they say, whatever they do, yet in their heart, they want to be fair. We want to be fair in this country. That's kind of the idea. But we also want to be told what to do because, you see, in most cases, we're never told what to do. It's very difficult to come and join a struggle because there's no clear-cut, immediate thing you can do. In our case, we've learned that. It will make it very simple for you. Just boycott anything that's like great. You don't have to go to meetings, to rallies, even spend money, even take, even not miss a step from your, your, your schedule and still be helpful. Isn't that great? <laughs> that's how it works. And, it, and then be patient because it works. And we got these guys in the run. It's going to work again. It's worked for us many times. We beat them twice and we'll beat them again the third time because now we have three generations of great boycotters in the United States. Boycotting grace is now Americana.
That set as advertised, um, some labor and some love. The last one we heard was Roy Orbison's Working for the Man. And then Okay, so um, we had Working for the Man with uh, Roy Orbison. Um, before that, The Love, Turn Me On by Nina Simone. And at the very beginning, Cesar Chavez pointing out the terrific power of the boycott. At the end of July, we celebrated the first labor contract signed uh, in the California labor fields with the union, the UFW. And uh, Chavez there was outlining the terrific power that the boycott has. Because as he says, it's so easy. Right? It's, it's, um, you don't have to put yourself out. You don't have to go to meetings. You don't have to spend a lot of money. What you have to do is not buy something. And, uh, that, that's how it works and I think it's obvious that that's the way to bring down or start the process of deconstructing capitalism in our in our society economic democracy organize people to for example if there's a bad labor situation somewhere, or I, I felt uh, off-put when the owner of Home Depot, where I go all the time, came out for Donald Trump. And so I decided not to shop there. I haven't shopped there since. Now, if you can organize that kind of power if you could get people to to make um, that type of, of shopping, that type of militancy part of the public knowledge. Like, for example, at Coors, for a long time, everybody knew that Coors was non-union, right? You shouldn't buy Coors beer. And there were even people who didn't know why but it was just part of the culture. You don't, you don't buy Coors beer. Anyway, um, so Chavez pointing out about boycotts. Question here is, one question is, uh, let, let's, I mean, young, 
Young men of color are still being shot down on the street. And uh, here's one for, the, for Freddie Gray, the blues for Freddie Gray. Who is it? Kevin Devine? We're booting um, it up. Talking these Freddie Gray blues Talking what happened to you You were just 25 when they ended your life Went to serve and protect Men break your leg, snap your neck Meant to kill you, to sever your spine No matter what, there's no good reason why Talking these killer cop blues. I'm kind of talking a family to you. See, her dad was a cop, and his dad was a cop, and their uncles were cops, and their cousins were cops. We're partly here because of cops, and I love all those cops. And I know that not every cop's a racist, murdering cop, but this is bigger than the people I love. The system's broken, not breaking, it's done. Talking white privilege blues I'm talking confession to you I can't know what it's like to be afraid all my life Looking over my shoulder behind each officer corner Entrenched in equality, no access, no empathy Crushed in stacked decks, institutions in death This is not my reality I'm afforded the luxury of shaking my head Shut the screen, go to bed I can turn off what you never can And watch it happen again and 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 again Talking these Freddie Gray Talking these Freddie Gray Blues. That was the Freddie Gray Blues. Kevin Devine again and again and again. It just keeps happening, doesn't it? It just keeps happening. The Oscar Grant song.
Brooklyn and Broadway. Miss the last train. Things never swing my way. Feeling fatigued. All in all, I need some space in my zone. I supply creativity.
trained, best educated, best equipped, best prepared troops refused to fight. Matter of fact, it's safe to say that they would rather switch than fight.
Biscuit Junkies ready out there. One, two, three. Ooh, cool. Beats, funk, rhythms, international, funk, and Africa, Africa, African beats and rhythms. It's IF99. <laughs> I'm your DJ, Femi Kuti. Don't tell on your neighbor now. You may need him someday. We gotta stick together. The struggle is on liberty. Right on, double on, 
Why do you think about that? Fellow Cootie and uh, some Afro beat there. Fellow Cootie, um, one, one second, please. is Labor and Love, and you are listening to 2781 21st Street, the voice of Immunity Radio, Immunity Radio and Social Justice Radio, Bay and Beyond. Okay. That was Fela Kuti. I just want to talk a little bit about Fela Kuti, uh, one of the originators of uh, Afrobeat. 
which is kind of a blend of jazz and uh, traditional African rhythms, um, high life music, a little funk in there, African style percussion, he acquired while studying in Ghana with Masakela. And he always gave his drummer, Tony Allen, credit for Afrobeats. without Tony Balakuti was an outspoken, he was born in Nigeria, he was an outspoken enemy of Muhammad Bukhari. from prison. His case was taken up by human rights lawyers. Um, Kuti died of AIDS-related illness in 1997. Now the question is how do you lose trillion dollars. Okay. But we'll find out in a minute. Okay, back now. Um, This is your Labor and Love show. I'm the B, a.k.a. Bill Morgan. And the question is, how do you lose $6.5 trillion? And the answer is, nobody knows. Okay, nobody knows how it happened. Um, The Pentagon doesn't know where $6.5 trillion is. Amazing, huh? $6.5 trillion.
get on here with some music. Um, the answer to the question about the $6.5 trillion is coming up. But we talked a little at the beginning of the show about... Uh, Clinton and Trump, the two people who are in the major parties running for president. If you feel like you have to vote for one or the other, which one is better for working people? Well, the answer is neither one. Neither one is good for working people. Trump, of course, is a representative of the point of view that's completely anti-worker, kind of the shyster businessman who talks to you in a certain way so you don't feel so bad about getting ripped off, um, kicking the ass, grab the money guy, um, convince people that you'll help them. that you'll help them to get rich like you're supposed to be, like have a school, you know, the Trump, the Trump school, the Trump university. And people enrolled and they never did meet Don Trump as was promised. Some of them lost forty, fifty thousand dollars with this course that was supposed to make them real estate tycoons. And uh, Trump never showed up. He never had anything to do with it. He allowed some people to use his name. Maybe it was his idea. But Trump is definitely not good for labor. Trump talks about he's going to help working people. Doesn't talk about unions. Doesn't talk about working people's organizations that they trust to, to make their lives better. No, he's talking about, like I said, a quick, you know, pat little thing. Okay, I'm going to rip you off, but it's not going to hurt so bad. It'll be good for both of us. Uh, he's not prepared. I doubt if he even knows much about the lives of, of working people, the people who he employs. Uh, as for Clinton, I would say not much better. This is an article from The Observer, and it says why it makes no sense for labor unions to endorse Hillary Clinton, giving her record for flip-flopping Union should be weary of endorsing her candidacy. In June 2015, she proclaimed to 1,300 fast food workers, I want to be your champion. And she supported their push for $15 minimum wage. It took early November for Ms. Clinton to affirm her stance on the issue. Sanders came early on in support of it. Um, fight for a $15 minimum wage has been a staple for the SEIU, Service Employees International Union. 
She served as a board member. Hillary Clinton served as a board member of the Walmart Corporation from 1986 to 1992, while the corporation waged campaigns against labor unions seeking to unionize store workers. There's no evidence that she ever vocalized her support for labor unions. She held nearly $100,000 in stock and was a lawyer with the Rose Wall firm, law, law Firm, which represented the company in several cases. Her current campaign treasurer, Jose Villarreal, has also spent decades on boards of Walmart and other companies run by their owners, the Walton family. So that's just the beginning. If you want to go look at the Observer um, website, why it makes no sense for labor unions to endorse Hillary Clinton. Okay, well, what we've got is... Hillary Clinton, who flip-flops on labor issues when it's politically expedient. She's a help, she's a friend of working people. When it isn't, and silently behind the scenes, she has profited from their labor. She's one of those people who uh, get a dollar they didn't work for. So, I mean, of course, you're going to vote who you, who you think. Jill Stein, we're going to have a little bit on her next week. Not the strongest friend of labor either, but certainly over there on labor's side. All right, labor and love, fight the power, public enemy we had. We had Fila Kuti, his days as a DJ, playing um, Afrobeat music, a, a genre which he has gotten a lot of credit for creating. Fight the power by public enemy and the redoubtable Chuck D. More on Chuck D next week when we find out how it was uh, at the Republican convention. I don't know if they went to the Democratic convention. Chuck D and uh, Tom Morello, and I want to say common sense, uh, a Chicano rapper, hip-hop artist. Somos más americanos que ellos. We are more American than they. Los Tigres del Norte.
compraron su dinero las aguas del río Bravo y los quitaron a Texas, Nuevo México, Arizona y Colorado. También voló California y Nevada. Con Utah no se llenaron. El estado de Wyoming también nos lo arrebataron. Yo soy la sangre del indio. Soy latino, soy mestizo. Somos de todos colores y de todos los oficios. Y aunque le duela al vecino, somos más americanos. Somos más americanos que tonitos los gringos.
La Bamba Rebelde there with uh, Las Cafeteras, a band from uh, East L.A. And uh, before that we had Somos Más Americanos, 
que ellos, we are more American than they are. Our people have been here longer. We are Chicanos. And then come los Alvarados, yo soy Chicano. And this, this uh, word Chicano has a real uh, specific meaning. Uh, Chicano is someone who maintains cultural identity with Mexico and with Mexican traditions but lives in the United States and so has been dispossessed. The moment that that Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo was signed in 1848, all of a sudden, hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, became strangers, became, in the minds of some people, aliens. They had been Mexican citizens, they were given the choice during the negotiations for the treaty, if he could call them that. The U.S. had uh, occupied Mexico City and threatened not to, not to send its troops home if the treaty wasn't signed. So it was representatives of the Mexican oligarchy and the church were very anxious to see a peace settlement signed. They didn't like the idea of all the these peones, peasants going around with guns and uh, exercising their power. So the treaty was signed and all of a sudden, here are all these people who were Mexicans and now are Americans. So this is the contradiction of the Chicano. The Chicano maintains that connection to his Mexican and Indian heritage or hers. Uh, and that's the word Chicano. So earlier on I asked the riddle and I said we would solve it or we would give it a shot at least. And the riddle is how do you lose how do you lose 6.5 trillion dollars? This is the freethoughtproject.com and the headline here says audit reveals the Pentagon doesn't know where 6.5 trillion dollars has gone. And I'm reading here. A new Department of Defense Inspector General's report released last week has left Americans stunned at the jaw-dropping lack of accountability and oversight. There's this big myth about, pardon me, this is parenthetic you know, interposition. There's all this talk about army efficiency and how things are done and, you know, this wonderful structure where things get done in the most efficient way. Whoa! A glaring report revealed the Pentagon couldn't account for $6.5 trillion of Army General Fund transactions and data. The Pentagon, which has been notoriously lax in its accounting practices, has never completed an audit, even though they are supposed to, by law, 
would reveal how the agency has specifically spent the trillions of dollars allocated for wars, equipment, personnel, housing, health care, and procurements allotted to them by Congress. Beginning in 1966, all federal agencies were mandated by law to conduct regular financial audits. However, the Pentagon has never complied with the federal law. In 20 years, it has never accounted for the trillions of dollars in taxpayer funds it has spent, in part because fudging the numbers has become a standard operating procedure at the Department of Defense, as revealed in a 2013 Reuters investigation by Scott Paltrow. Paltrow says that people simply fill in the blanks. Um, They would call a guy in at the end, right before the budget came due, and uh, just put in whatever numbers fitted. An increasingly impatient Congress has demanded the Army achieve audit readiness for the first time by September 30th, so lawmakers can get a better handle on military spending. But Pentagon watchdogs think that may be mission impossible and for good reason. $6.5 trillion. Oh my God, and they'll come after somebody They'll send somebody to jail for a a Twinkie or getting caught in the wrong place at the wrong time, being the wrong color. $6.5 trillion. Okay. This day in labor history. How about some music? Oh, here's one. Reading the communist, and this is at socialistworker.org. He goes through a thing about how long time you'd be thinking that such an old political document is primarily of historical interest. Manifesto general thrust, however, retains great relevance. Two of its most controversial claims are as true today as when first written. Capitalist society is increasingly polarized into two classes, bosses and workers, that have counterposed and reconcilable interests. And the system, while more dynamic than any in human history, is inherently unstable, crisis-prone, and destructive. Okay, so check that out. That socialist worker reading the Communist Manifesto written in 1848. It's not a long book. You can read it at one sitting. doesn't really require any kind of special knowledge or awareness. Here's an article from the Daily Mail called Fidel's Swan Song. 
published last April, but we'll bring it up to date for you. 89-year-old Castro predicts he will die soon and urges his comrades to fight on for communism as his hardline allies keep control of Cuba. <clears throat> Time will come for all of us, but the ideas of the Cuban communists will remain as proof on this planet that if they are worked at with fervor and dignity, they can produce the material and cultural goods that human beings need, and we need to fight without a truce to obtain them. Castro came to power in January of 1959 overthrowing the government of uh, Julmencio Batista, who was not supported by anybody by the time uh, by the time Castro and his troops reached uh, Havana. The city surrendered to them. Batista, of course, ran off with his family and a lot of money. But Castro became a hero all around the world of kind of a... <clears throat> romantic, revolutionary figure. But he also put his money where his mouth is. He was able to maintain a socialist state <clears throat> 90 miles from U.S. shores. Uh, he withstood the infamous Bay of Pigs invasion in 1962 and numerous attempts by, among others, the Kennedy brothers uh, to assassinate him. His most famous book is History Will Absolve Me. Let's see if we can play a little Fidel here. Uh, when Obama visited Cuba, he was not invited to meet uh, Castro. But Fidel said later, after Obama had left, that Cuba didn't need any gifts from the empire. But let's see if we can get a few words from Fidel here. Maybe not. Okay, wait, let's see. Okay. National Soon I will be turning 90 years old. I never imagined it, and it has not been the fruit of any labor. It was purely a whim by destiny. Soon I will be like everybody else. Everybody will get their turn. But the ideas of Cuba's communism will remain. To our brothers in Latin America and the world, we say to you that the Cuban people shall overcome and set out they will win. This could possibly be one of the last times that I speak in this room. I have voted for all the candidates who have been submitted by Congress. I'm thankful for the invitation and the honor of you all 
Los felicito a todos. Y en primer lugar, al compañero Raúl Castro por su magnífica fuerza. And that's it. Fidel's uh, last speech, latest speech, can't say it's going to be his final, his last speech, might be. But like I say, he established a revolution in his country. They nationalized the industries. Got a lot of help early on from Soviet Russia. After that, they were on their own. 90 miles away from the world's biggest and most hostile emperor, empire, empire, pardon me, emperor. Okay, today in labor history, August 12th, the National Brotherhood of Carpenters and Joiners was founded in Chicago in a gathering of 36 carpenters from 11 cities based on the news that their boss Flo Ziegfeld was joining the Producing Managers Association the chorus girls in Ziegfeld Follies created their own union the Chorus Equity Association they were helped by a big donation from superstar and former chorus girl Lillian Russell North American Free Trade Agreement was signed. What became a 232-day strike by Major League Baseball players over owners' demands for team salary caps began on this day in 1994. The strike resulted in the cancellation of the remainder of the season, including the postseason, for the first time since 1904. 948 games were canceled in all. And Major League Baseball became the first major professional sports league to lose an entire preseason due to labor struggles. Due to the strike, both the 1994 and 95 season were not played to a complete 162 games. The good work of Marlon, Marvin Miller, former lawyer for the United Steelworkers, who became the head of the Players Union in 1966 and immediately set to work uh, changing things around. Today in labor history, August 11th. Federal troops drove over 1,200 jobless workers from the nation's capital. This was the Coxey's Army. Led by unemployed activists Charles Hobo Kelly and Jacob Coxey, they camped in Washington, D.C. starting in July. Kelly's Hobo Army included a young journalist named Jack London and a young minor cowboy named Big Bill Haywood. Frank Baum was an observer of the protest and say it influenced his Wizard of Oz with a scarecrow representing the American farmer, a tin man representing industrial workers, 
and the Cowardly Lion representing William Jennings Bryan, all marching on Washington, Oz, to demand redress from the president, the wizard. 650 miners led by a General Hogan captured a Northern Pacific train at Butte, Montana, en en route to the protest. Feds caught up with them in Billings, forcing a surrender. This day in labor history, August 13, 1887, Leather workers in Newark, New Jersey locked out their employees as a strategy to crush the Knights of Labor. The lockout would demonstrate the lengths to which American employers would go to ensure that their shops remained union free. A significant departure from the accommodations made by European employers. A difference that still resonates in the American labor movement today. The Knights tried to appeal to small manufacturers in terms of the working class, but by the third week the situation grew desperate. Internal tensions between the more radical German members and more conservative English and Irish members and rapidly dwindling funds destroyed the Knights. A few went back to their old jobs, but most were not rehired. Shop stores were blacklisted and many had to move from Newark. labor unrest. Um, July 28th, I think we already read that one. So this is Labor and Love, and it's getting on to uh, 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock... Plastic with something from Harry Bridges labor cannot stand still it must not retreat it must go on or go under so looks like we've done a show remember when you read your labor history that you're only alone when you don't stand up and if you don't stand but stand up, they'll say that you stood up for sitting down. And uh, 
little bit of um, Linda Tillery. Don't you ever let nobody get your spirit down.
to turn you around. Okay, this is the B signing off. You just listen to Labor and Love, <clears throat> weekly labor magazine, opinion, commentary, labor history, by, for, and about working people. As always, this show is dedicated to the, to the people, 350 people per day and 2,500 people worldwide who will die on the job today or died because of job-related causes. Call out to my soulmate, Sylvia Ramirez, my daughter, Vita. Makes me happy to be a dad. The whole family, hope everything's good with you. Hope you have good labor and good love this week. Bye-bye, everybody. Remember. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. That was probably you. I know it was me. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, you're probably on the menu. And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean Bye, everybody. stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm gonna guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby! There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good! Because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. 
LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Yeah, you. You look like the kind of person who has a sense of humor. Oh, uh, is the radio talking to me? No, I'm on an internet podcast. Uh, I'm talking to an internet podcast? Don't be silly. It's a one-way form of communication. But I don't want you to miss out on the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2016 from March 2nd through 6th. And you don't have to. You can buy tickets now on universe.com with 24 national and international visiting comedians and 20 local hosts. You won't want to miss a thing. What if I can't be at every show? Don't worry. All shows will be available for free download at mutinyradio.fm until the internet falls apart. Oh, podcast God, I can't wait to listen to all these great comedy shows and everything else that's cool and funyradio.fm before the internet falls apart. You too won't want to miss a bit of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival from March 2nd through 6th, 2016. Buy tickets now. Brought to you by Subliminal SF, PBR, The Eagle SF, Brainwash Cafe, Asiento, and the great people at Alta California Botanicals. Have you heard of Subliminal SF? Visual and auditory mind control. Graphic design, physical merchandise, live music promotions. Go! www.subliminalsf.com for the most amazing t-shirts you've ever seen. Graphic design for every need and live music promotion at some of the best bars in San Francisco. That's Subliminal SF, visual and auditory mind control. Go to subliminalsf.com now. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. 
But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. Yeah. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. Hey, this is the Flatback Classic Show on MutantRadio.fm. Soul, soul, soul. Your soul. My soul, he soul, fa soul, la soul, we soul. Tell me about soul. Do you know? Do you have it? Do I have it? Can you touch mine? I'll touch yours. Soul is an elastic man visible shell and drifts to heaven or to hell when you get shot or trip or slip on a banana peel left living in the street yeah man soul is a trumpet a trombone a saxophone playing baby eyes closed and crying notes spotting his soul his elastic inside self and grooving and crying there's gonna be gotta be an explosion 